This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler. I'm the general manager here at WZIP. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to do this just slightly different this week and actually have a couple of different components the way we used to do it. Um, Leanne Schaefer is standing by and she's going to tell us all about the benefits of studying nutrition here at the University of Akron. And you might be surprised um, about some of the job opportunities that are out there and um, you know, the, the things that you can do with that type of degree. So I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'm going to let her talk about it. But before we get to her, I want to introduce you to two other people, Brian and Jamie, both here um, representing Collegiate Recovery, the Collegiate Recovery community, better known around here as Ruse in Recovery. Welcome to Zips Unlimited. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, and Chris. The whole purpose really is to learn a little bit more about Ruse in Recovery, what that organization is all about. This is a, a student org, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And Ruse in Recovery suggests some type of recovery. We're talking substance abuse, yes? Yes. All right. That, let's, let's hear more about the, 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 the real emphasis of this group. What do you what do? You do? So the Collegiate Recovery Community, Ruse Recovery, is designed to assist students or alumni that are struggling with their current alcohol or drug use or seeking support in their recovery. Um, So we do meet weekly as a group. We are currently meeting on Friday nights. So during the semester, we've had what we call the hybrid model. Um, We're meeting in room 321 in the student union, um, and we're also meeting on Teams virtually. Oh, so you can do either or? Yes. Okay. Do you think that's going to be that way in spring semester, or is it just kind of wait and see on that? We're going to continue with the virtual option. We want to make sure that we're trying to reach all three campuses, and so the virtual option with the the thousands of commuter students that are on campus mm-hmm. has been a great way to try to reach out. Yeah, that's really a good point because it's not just COVID. We, I think we're correlating so much of the online stuff with COVID, and that's obviously a huge factor, but you want to reach the people who really need to be reached, and they want to be able to reach you. And if that means doing it from somewhere besides the campus, then that's really the way that it should be. This is different or the same as like an AA meeting? It's a little different. So this is more of a support group. This is uh, a opportunity for anyone to come, kind of come on and, and just get a different perspective from other people and feedback on what's, you know, maybe affecting them or someone they know. Um, in recovery, or that they may have someone in their life that is struggling with substance abuse in some way, that they just want some feedback or some information, and then obviously the people that are in recovery from substance abuse or or are struggling with it currently can kind of uh, get a little bit of information as to you know whatever issues they're facing at the time. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to describe, and, and maybe it's something private, um, what happens? I heard what you just said, but I guess more specifically, what happens at these get-togethers? I mean, do people, I know I'm bringing up AA again, because I I guess it's a reference that some people will at least think they're familiar with. Um, You know, do people tell their stories? Do they talk about their own journey, um, you know, pre-recovery, during recovery, or is that really not part of what you do? We really provide a safe space. So our format is a little different than a 12-step meeting, kind of like AA, like you're sharing. We want to make sure that we're being inclusive of all substance use on campus. Um, So our meeting format, we we do check-ins, we talk to each other, we want to hear about, you know, stressors or challenges. We We really want to encourage everyone just to feel comfortable in the group. Um, So we do sometimes have a topic. So we kind of have a floating format, so it does change and shift. Mm -hmm. 
How did you each get involved with Ruse Recovery? Well, I'm a person in recovery from substance abuse myself, and you know now I'm in the graduate social work program. So uh, that was it. Just kind of was a, a door that opened for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also am a person in long-term recovery. I'm studying social work as well. And I was actually approached by um, a faculty member who was very open with their own recovery, uh, Professor Ellis. And he had shared that he really wanted to see more involvement and some engagement and increase in membership with the collegiate recovery community because he does see value in it. Um, so when he wrote the grant for, from SAMHSA, um, he really wanted recovery and mental health uh, resources to be supported through the, the use of that grant, which is where my position and Brian's position were developed for the campus. Okay. I, you know, I, I wonder what... How significant is it to to have this available on a college campus and in, in a college community? I know people probably make assumptions about college students and partying and stuff like that. I don't know how much of that stuff is true. And how much of that is, I don't know, a level of, um, we'll just say with alcohol at least, mm -hmm. where it's maybe acceptable versus where it's not acceptable and it's out of control and something you know needs to be done to help these folks. I mean, it's... Is, is that something necessary on a campus, do you think? I would say yes. There was a Healthy Mind survey done here on campus in 2019, and some of the results showed that 71% of um, students that went to their faculty discussed substance use or some type of mental health um, concern. And so being able to reach those students through their faculty by promoting our re recovery meeting um, I think is, is a huge value for the university. I also just did some research on a paper that I wrote for an organizing class, a community organizing strategy class this semester, and it was talking about the data came from 2017, and they were talking about the three um, the three groups that really needed resources the most were fraternities, sororities, and athletes, as they seem to have more of the um, highest risk to be drinkers or users on campus. And um, they said that 90% um, of um, sororities, uh, that was specific to sororities, um, really needed those additional resources as well. So they were like the highest rated risk group of that particular study that was done in mm -hmm. 2017, and that was a national study. You know, and I hate to you don't want to paint everybody with the same the same brush. Correct. You know, so we can't help but think of different movies that have been out and, and maybe the, the time that you do see the headline or a story on like 2020 or something like that. I'm just wondering, you, you mentioned sororities, fraternities, athletes. Is there anything yet that you know of that explains the why behind that? Why those groups of, of students? Do well, we know? Some of what the article was talking about is, you know, the stressors, the normal stressors of just being a college student in general, and then the um, the peer groups. So if you are living in a, in a home or, you know, in a sorority or fraternity with a group of students that do start to drink, then it becomes more socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it just might they might not realize the, the extent of what's happening because they're just drinking every Friday night if that makes sense. Okay. You're speaking of Friday night, is there significance to your meetings being on Friday night? There is. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, part of it was, again, to make sure that we're reaching all the students because there are Monday through Friday, or Monday through Thursday, rather, um, evening classes. But we did agree as a group that, you know, Friday night can be one of those stressors. So instead of wanting to go, you know, hang out with your peer group on a Friday night, you could come to the meeting to have that safe space. Mm -hmm. Have you seen um, a lot of interest in the group? 
We are currently raising awareness right now that our group exists, so I do appreciate you do just taking the time to have this conversation with us today because that's part of what we're trying to do is just increase engagement. Um, so we have had a couple uh, that have been interested that have attended with us. We are currently deficient in our numbers, though, so the University of Akron does require 10 students to be active for it to be considered a student organization. Mm -hmm. So we're working really hard to make sure that we try to increase that awareness and raise um, raise the awareness so we can increase our membership. A couple things to that. I have a feeling, you know, active is probably a key word in yes. what you just said, because I have a feeling you've dealt with a lot more than 10 students, but maybe you don't have 10 active students at all times. Is that fair? That is fair. And also when a student graduates, they can no longer be considered for the student organization. So like myself, I graduate in May. So that will be one less member for, mm -hmm. um, for the organization. Even if I do like stay on and continue to support it, alumni can't be counted in that 10 that's required for student organization. Okay. I, I can't help but think, um, you know, let's just say we are talking about 10 or 20 or even 30 members. I and I don't know, you know, this part of the statistics for this campus, but I have a feeling there's probably more than 10 or 20 or 30 people that maybe should consider participating with, with Ruse and Recovery. We're trying to reach all of those folks right now, yeah. all the students. Okay. Um, what else What else do we need to know about, about Ruse and Recovery? So you could definitely follow Ruse and Recovery on Facebook and Instagram. We are increasing our social media engagement. Uh, what I've noticed through that is there are a lot of amazing organizations on campus that are talking about mental health, are talking about wellness and, you know, um, recovery from substance use. So that has been an added resource for us. Um, so I definitely encourage folks to uh, students to follow us on social media. Yeah, and if you're, if you're bored and you just want some entertainment, you can come and uh – just listen to me incessantly ramble for an hour <laughs> every Friday night. Okay. And then after that, um, you said you're going to continue even between semesters online only? Yes. Okay. Yes, until the spring semester. I just want everyone to know that our organization is a safe space. So if you are questioning your drug or alcohol use, kind of questioning some of the choices that are being made right now, feel free to just stop in and see us. Um, you know, we can provide confidential information. Both Brian and I have been working in the field, so we are capable and available to provide some resource information, um, as well as provide some of the amazing resource options to students on campus. I think sometimes what happens, Chris, is that people don't reach out for help until there's a serious crisis or they're suffering major consequences. So we want students to know that you don't you don't have to go through that you don't have to do that that there are resources available to to help when you can kind of feel like hey maybe there's an issue maybe i'm you know using too much maybe i am starting to suffer consequences um students who may be on current academic probation right now is that a result of maybe drug or alcohol use or you know not not addressing some mental health concerns reach out to ruse and recovery we are a free peer-led student organization that's available to provide helpful information. You know, you've mentioned um, mental health um, issues several times in the last few moments. I mean, I, I guess there is a correlation, or can there be a correlation between substance abuse and mental health dilemmas? Yeah. Uh, often, yes. Yes. Does one lead to the other, you know, exclusively, or can that go both ways, or what? It can definitely go both ways. Um, I have been working in the field for a while now, so um, what I'll see sometimes is, you know, individuals can have trauma as a child, some things that have happened to them that are, you know, very painful. They can carry that into um, their teenage, their adult life. Um, if they never were able to receive services or resources for that, that could lead to substance use. So essentially, they're, they're having unmanaged mental illness, and they're coping with drugs and alcohol to kind of, you know, help heal some of that. Mm -hmm. So it, it can go both ways. 
you know, based on, you know, whether it's, it's coursework, it's field experience, uh, or anything else, what do you think are some misconceptions, um, particularly among the college community, about substance use, abuse, and dependency? Statements like, I'm not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm just hanging out with my friends. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic or I'm not a, a drug addict or, you know, and it's, it, it doesn't have to be a certain number of consequences. At least it wasn't for me until I realized I just couldn't control, you know, how much I used or, or whatever uh, from time to time. So, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, it, it, it's not necessarily, and I know to you, this is probably very elementary, but maybe to some listeners, it's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think what you were suggesting is you don't necessarily have to be in some kind of a 24-7 stupor, you know, to show that you're an alcoholic or to display, you know, that there might be a problem. It could be something that, like you said, you you don't control it well when you use, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're using constantly. Right. And it was, for me at least, more my my mindset. You know, I was more selfish and egotistical. And I still am today, but at least I can work on it, you know, and these support groups are are something that can help me with that. Yeah, and there were also times where, you know, what was the reason? So I had a terrible day, so instead of coping with it in a healthy way, I'm going to the bar to use alcohol to help cope with that. And then, you know, it turns into maybe a couple days in a row that that was happening. So I've got an issue that was never fully resolved because I'm not addressing it. I'm just kind of isolating and coping with with alcohol. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if this time of year, if that um, maybe becomes even more of a challenge for some people. Absolutely. Holidays can create just some isolation, some feelings of depression, anxiety. Um, and I think even being a college student, so both Brian and I are graduate students and we we are working. You know, we have other obligations. You know, all students on campus have other obligations. So just even dealing with the challenges with covid um, dealing with the challenges of, of being a student. You know, this is a, um, we're headed into the end of the semester. I know I have a final paper due on Saturday. So, you know, just trying to make sure that um, all of our, our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed can just kind of generate some, um, just some stress as well. I think just, you know, the most important thing is if you want to reach out to us, another way to do it is through social media. So we have what, Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And then we also have um, the- our email address is ruseandrecovery at uakron.edu. That email address is checked pretty regularly. All right. We're going to switch gears here just a little bit, actually kind of a lot. I mentioned a little while ago that Leanne Schaefer is here. She is with the School of Exercise Science and Nutrition. So for people who are, you know, maybe thinking about a major, maybe somebody thinking about a career change, um, Leanne is uh, going to talk to us a little bit about some of the options available through her school. So Leanne, I guess we'll start right there. If I were to uh, become a part of the School of Exercise Science and Nutrition, what exactly might I be studying? We um, have exercise science as a major. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a bachelor's uh, degree. Uh, A lot of students go on to become physician assistants. Uh, With that degree, they can be athletic trainers. A lot of students go on to be physical therapists. So it's a great bachelor's degree um, to further education down the road. Uh, They can also be exercise um, physiologists. They can be a fitness director. That's the exercise science piece. Then we also have sports studies, which is um, 
being an, an athletic administrator. They can uh, be a marketing associate. They can be a program director. Um, so that's sports studies. Then on the, the nutrition and food side, uh, we have our food and environmental nutrition program, which is um, the only one in the state of Ohio. And we are very fortunate in our area to have a lot of food manufacturers. And so we went to those food manufacturers and we said, we want to have a new program. Um, what kind of employees are you looking for? And so the area manufacturers got together and, say, and said, these are the traits or the skills that we want our new employees to have when they come to us. And so they helped us develop that program. Um, it is a bachelor of science degree. Those students are employed before they even graduate because there's um, so demand. much need, absolutely high demand. Um, our, those students uh, go to work at uh, Smuckers and Shearers and uh, Sandridge and Fannie Mae, and wouldn't you love to work with a chocolate company? But <laughs> um, so they can do quality assurance, they can develop new products, uh, they can um, change products so that they have less calories, less uh, sodium. So they do a really interesting, diverse job. And, and a job that's never really going to go away. No, because we, we will all, always be eating. We will always be food that's manufacturing, right. consumption, that's so right. forth. So those those things are always going to be needed. That's right. And in fact, it, it's there's probably going to be even more of a need because as our society ages, um, our ability to, to prepare food from scratch might decrease. And so we might rely more on those um, items that have already been prepared. And, mm -hmm. and if you go down the freezer aisle, you'll see where the manufacturing are saying um, we have less sodium or we've taken yeah. out um, you know preservatives and that sort of thing um, and that's what our students do um, and so it's it's a great field um, then our other program uh, is our coordinated program of dietetics um, the the graduates uh, can take the RD exam and become a registered dietitian and I just want a little plug here for the registered dietitians. Sure. Make sure that if you're reading nutrition information, that it is accurate and scientifically based. We have so much misinformation out there now. We have, you know, the Internet. We have um, Google pages and all sorts of other places. And we think that what it says on that page or on the computer is gospel. And, boy, this must be the new thing. There isn't any special pill or a special diet that's going to make you look slim and trim and perfect. If there were, we'd all be slim and trim and perfect. Yeah. Um, and so um, you have to make sure that that nutrition information comes from a dietitian or a physician and that it's not just another new fad. Um, so anyway, sorry, back to my dietitians. Um, <laughs> they, it's a four-year program, and they actually um, earn their – internship and do their internship during the last two years of the program. So when they graduate, um, they've had their internship, they have their Bachelor of Science in Dietetics, and they can sit for the RD exam. Um, it's a little change in the, in the field. Um, after 2024, they're going to have to have a, a master's degree in order to sit for that exam. But that's only promoting um, the field and, and improving our, um, our skill set for uh, going out into the, into the world. Uh, dietitians work um, in any um, 
location. It's, it's, it's a fun field because it's so diverse. You can work in nursing homes, you can work in the hospital, you can work for hospice, you can work um, in a gym with the athletic trainers, uh, you can work with a football. Um, we, we have one graduate that's working with an NFL football team. She's their dietitian. Uh, you can work in a, pu- a public school system. So it's, it's a fun field because uh, when you graduate, you have all these different areas that you can specialize in. Little did I know when I started my career, it was five years in the hospital. Oop, that wasn't for me. Then it was 25 years in long-term care. Boy, that was pretty cool. And now I'm teaching. And um, so it is diverse. Mm-hmm. And it's it's still fun and exciting um, after being uh, in the industry all these years. So it's it's a, it's it's a... It's a good school. Um, we have all sorts of interesting degrees, and we are having the opportunity for our students to work together. And that interdisciplinary education is really important. And we're doing it at the school level, um, and even um, the whole college is doing that interdisciplinary education. And so we're not teaching in silos anymore. You know, it used to be, well, the nurses learn over here and the dietitians learn over there. No, that's not how we work. When we go to the nursing home or we go to the hospital, we have to work as a team. And we have to work um, all those different disciplines in. And we can't step on each other's toes. And we need to know how to communicate with each other. We need to know what specialties we have and what our areas of of expertise are. Very good. You know, Leanne, I think we're going to have you back next week to talk about um, something else. And maybe what we'll do is we'll get into a little bit in terms of of nutrition and and holidays and holiday eating and and that sort of thing and um and let our listeners in on maybe some tips on how they can stay healthy over the holidays everybody else thanks for joining us on zips unlimited zips unlimited can be heard each saturday at noon on 88.1 wzip fm